just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Tuesday already. Some interesting things happening. We've got something very interesting happening today, and we'll talk about that shortly. But before we do, we're going to check a couple of short emails. This first one comes from Deborah. She says, Dear Boomer, could it be that our President Joe Biden was framed by our former President Frump or someone with Frump? setting Joe Biden up. What do you think, Deborah? Well, when we first heard about these top secret or classified documents that were found on Joe Biden's property and in his think tank, a lot of people said that. And, you know, that was conceivable at that point. But I said at that time, what will determine whether it was planted or whether it was Joe Biden's people that did it would be the dates on the documents. Now, If Joe Biden is responsible and the people around him are responsible for these documents, these documents would have to predate six years ago when Joe Biden was vice president. During the time that uh, Donald Trump was president and Joe Biden was a private citizen, he wouldn't have access to these documents. So if it was before Donald Trump was president, well, then it's probably Joe Biden and his people that fucked up. If it was something that was somewhere in the Trump administration period, then we'd have to look at the serious possibility that they were planted. Now, when they first came out with their first set of documents that they found at the think tank, they didn't really tell us anything about the documents. Even when they found the second set in the garage, they didn't tell us about the documents. But now in this third set, they found in his house... They specifically said that these documents dated back to when Joe Biden was vice president, even as far back as when he was senator. So it would not only go back beyond six years, it would have to go back beyond another eight years before he became vice president. He had been a senator since 1972, so God knows when those documents came from. So as much as a lot of us may like to think that somehow Donald Trump or the Secret Service planted these documents. I don't believe that's the case, especially with what we found out in this last set. This was plain and simple, a fuck up by Joe Biden or Joe Biden's people. I think more than likely it was Joe Biden's people. You know, you're vice president. You probably don't deal with the details. Maybe he didn't even know these things were there. It doesn't matter. The important thing is when they found out that they were there, they did the right thing. They um, called up the National Archives and the DOJ, and they sent the stuff back. Now, what you need to understand is this last set they found, this came out of an FBI search, not unlike what they did to Donald Trump's place in Mar-a-Lago. Well, there's one big difference. It was voluntary. Joe Biden said, yeah, go ahead and do it. Now, with Donald Trump, of course, they had to get a search warrant to do it. 
And in the process, Donald Trump did everything he could to hide these things, hold on to these things. Hell, even to this point, he says, those are mine. They should give them back. So there's a huge difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump's situations with these documents. Joe Biden's doing all the right things. He's really not doing anything criminal. Donald Trump, everything he did was fucking criminal in this situation. So you really can't compare the two. But as I said in a previous podcast, it's still kind of troubling. If these classified and top secret documents are just laying around everywhere, what really is the process for protecting top secret and classified documents? Whatever it is, it's not fucking working. And we've got to address that. So, Deborah, I do not think that Donald Trump or his people tried to frame Joe Biden. It was something to think about for a while, but with the latest information we have, I don't think that's true at all. All right, the next one comes from uh, Joe. He says, hi, Mike. A week or so ago, you talked about Don Jr., who was attempting to sell the King Donald Bibles. Just remember back when they were buying Trumpy Bears. These people will blindly give every last cent to their false idol, Joe. It's true. In fact, I just heard Donald Trump has uh, these collector checks. It's like Donald Trump wrote a check uh, and you could collect them. (laughs) Now, you can't cash these checks. They're not real checks. But I guess some of these people would think it's cool. I got a check from Donald Trump. And I don't even know what they're charging for these things. But, But here's the thing. These people have blindly given every last cent to Donald Trump for ridiculous shit from NFTs to Bibles to now checks and God knows what else is going to come up. But part of the reason they're coming up with these little premiums, if you will, they aren't able to get as much money by just asking for it. You remember, since he left office, all he'd have to say is, we've got to fight for getting me back in office or fight the steal or stop the steal. And people would just send in money for nothing. Well, they had to come out with these premiums to give some kind of incentive for these people to send money because they're not doing the other. They're doing this out of desperation because they're having trouble collecting money from these people. They're either running out of money or they're running out of confidence in Donald Trump. Donald Trump is having a difficulty with his grift. It's not working as well as it once did. Now, of course, you know, he was given a hard time because after he announced he was running for the presidency, uh, he kind of locked himself down in Mar-a-Lago. Not campaigning, not putting on rallies, and somebody admonished him for that. Well, of course, he took it to heart, and he had to have an immediate response. Now there's talk that he may be jumping back onto Twitter. He had been prohibited from going on Twitter by True Social. I mean, True Social wants their app to go, and they don't need their most famous guy jumping back to Twitter. That would hurt True Social. Unfortunately, at this point, for True Social, it's failing horribly. It's like at the bottom of the charts. Nobody's using it. Nobody fucking cares. So I'm sure Donald Trump's at this point where he's knowing he has to bring his profile back up. So jumping on Twitter would be the first logical choice. So don't be surprised if somehow 
Donald Trump works a deal out with Truth Social and then uh, jumps on Twitter again, thinking that will give him the exposure he needs. I don't think that it will. So now he's trying to ramp up some rallies and some talks and that sort of thing. He's got one coming up in South Carolina, and it turns out the support is pretty minimal. I mean, he was used to putting on rallies where thousands of people would come. He'd have great venues. But now he's in trouble because all these venues that were so great, he never paid them. So he can't go back there. So he's going to be in a fucking cornfield someplace or something. Uh, But on top of it, there isn't as much interest, which would make sense. I mean, the Trump fucks aren't the brightest people in the world. But after going to 20 or 30 rallies and getting nothing out of it, you would think these people would get tired of spending their money and going to these rallies and giving Donald Trump money. And the fact is, they are. They're getting tired of it. Donald Trump keeps making promises and delivers nothing. I mean, that's been Donald Trump's whole life, his whole business life, his whole political life. He talks a good game, but he never accomplishes anything. So Donald Trump at this point is kind of in trouble when it comes to the money situation. His uh, company in New York, Trump Organization, is pretty much hamstringed. Uh, They've been convicted of 17 counts of fraud. There's a lawsuit coming from Letitia James, the attorney general. And if she wins that case, it will cost Donald Trump $250 million and prohibit him or any of his family to do business in New York again. So the finances are tightening up a little bit for Donald Trump, and things don't look good. His popularity has never been lower. I think his approval rating is like 31%. If you have somebody with an approval rating of 31%, they aren't a real candidate for the presidency. Nobody with that low rating has ever won a presidency. A lot of people are worried about Donald Trump being the candidate. Oh, no, he might be the candidate and win. Now, the fact of the matter is, if he ends up being the candidate, that is good luck for the Democrats because he has no chance of beating any Democrat, let alone Joe Biden. But as I've told you before, I don't think that uh, Donald Trump will be running. He won't be the candidate. He certainly won't be the Republican candidate. They're trying to get away from him. His popularity is diminishing. His ability to raise money is diminishing. And those two things are very important to the Republican Party. And if he's not earning, as the mobsters would say, if he's not an earner, then he's going to be on the fucking curb. There is no loyalty in that business. And Donald Trump, for as powerful as he has been for the Republicans, if he's no longer useful, well, then he'll be cast aside like anybody else in that position. And that's pretty much where he is. Now, he might come out as a third party, which I would welcome, because that would just diminish the Republicans, make it that much easier for the Democrats to win. But like I say, I don't think he'll be able to do that. I think with these investigations and these indictments, he is going to be prohibited for running for president. Now, we are... uh, seeing some people who we know from January 6th, who we saw on our TV screens, finally coming to terms with the phrase, fuck around and find out. You might remember this guy, an Arkansas man. You remember the photo. 
he had his feet propped up on the desk of then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office during the U.S. Capitol riot. He was convicted on Monday of joining a mob's attack on the building two years ago. A jury unanimously convicted Richard Big O. Barnett on an all eight counts in his indictment, including felony charges of civil disorder and obstruction of an official proceeding. It's funny, I heard him say that, you know, I was just going with the flow here. I was looking for a bathroom. I don't even know how this all ended up. Yeah, right, motherfucker. We're buying that. Well, the jury clearly didn't buy it. You're convicted on eight counts, all eight counts you were charged with. Now, Barnett lounging at a desk in Pelosi's office made him one of the most memorable figures from the riot on January 6, 2021. He's scheduled to be sentenced in May. Now, prosecutors sought to jail Barnett while he waits, awaits sentencing, but the ju- judge denied that request, so Barnett will remain free on certain conditions. Now, Barnett, he's 62. He's same age as me. But I guarantee you, he's a lot fucking dumber. Barnett testified last Thursday that he was looking for a bathroom inside the Capitol when he unwittingly entered Pelosi's office and encountered two news photographers. He said one of the photographers told him to act natural, so he leaned back in a chair and flung his legs on the desk. You know, it's funny, when I looked in that guy's face, when you're 62, when you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. He didn't look like he had to go to the bathroom. And frankly, with this kind of this kind of dipshit, if he did have to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't have been surprised if he peed right in Pelosi's office. Now, the defense attorney, Joseph McBride, asked Barnett, did it dawn on you that what you were doing could cause some trouble? Barnett said, I was just in the moment. I'm just kind of going with the flow at this point. I'm just doing what everybody's doing. Prosecutor said Barnett had a stun gun tucked in his pants. Apparently, you need that when you go to the bathroom. Maybe he has has that uh, that um, issue <laughs> where you have trouble going to the bathroom in public places. So maybe that stun gun was to reinvigorate his member so he could actually pee. I, I'm sure that's probably had something to do with it. Now the interesting thing is he took a piece of. Nancy Pelosi's mail and left behind a note that said, Nancy, Big O was here, punctuating the message with a sexist expletive. I'm guessing the B word or the C word. I won't say either. Before leaving Capitol Grounds, Barnett used a bullhorn to give a speech to the crowd shouting, we took back our house and I took Nancy Pelosi's office, according to prosecutors. And there is video of that. That kind of diminishes his claim that all he had to do was go to the bathroom. Apparently he had other things on his mind. Now, some videos support Barnett's testimony that a crowd pushed him into the Capitol as he approached an entrance, causing him to briefly fall to his knees as he crossed the threshold. We have no choice, he shouted repeatedly as he entered the Capitol. Well, here's the deal. You don't get pushed into a building by a crowd unless you're in the middle of the fucking crowd. And we know what the crowd was there for. 
This guy tried very hard to talk his way out of this. But he's a dumb fuck, 62-year-old redneck motherfucker from Arkansas. He couldn't talk his way out of a wet paper bag. Now, after police ordered him and others to leave Pelosi's office, Barnett realized he had left his American flag behind. God forbid. Body camera video captured Barnett shouting at a police officer in the rotunda for help in retrieving his flag. More than 940 people have been charged with federal crimes related to the January 6th attack. Nearly 500 of them have pleaded guilty. Barnett is one of several dozen Capitol rioters whose case went to trial. Now, Barnett, he's 62, as I said. He's a retired firefighter from Gravette, Arkansas. He said he regrets coming to Washington for Stop the Steal. Well, yeah, I fucking guess so. You're going to jail for maybe up to 20 years. There might be some regrets there. And this is what he says. I love this. While he's been waiting to go on trial and finally get convicted, he said, two years of lost life, misery for my family, he said. A prosecutor told jurors during the trial's opening statement that Barnett planned the trip for weeks and came prepared for violence. Yes, he did. McBride told jurors that Barnett was just a crazy guy from Arkansas who didn't hurt anybody on January 6th and couldn't have harmed anybody with a stun gun device because it was broken that day. Really? So if I walk into a crowd with a real gun threatening people, but the gun isn't loaded or is broken, I'm innocent? I don't think so. McBride sarcastically called it the most famous trespass of all time. Now, prosecutors said Barnett had a history of arming himself at political demonstrations. He's done this before. In July 2020, they said a 911 caller reported that a man matching Barnett's description had pointed a rifle at her during a Back the Blue rally, which is ironic because on January 6th, they beat and injured 150 police officers, and two or three of them ended up dead. Yeah, this guy's a fucking clown. This guy fucked around and found out, and now he's going to jail for up to 20 years. And do you think we feel sorry for him? Fuck no. He's going to get exactly what he deserves. And talking about people getting what they deserve, you remember the story when Oath Keepers, including the leader of the Oath Keeper, got convicted of uh, seditious conspiracy, which is weird because seditious conspiracy is very rarely used and even more rarely people are convicted of it. It's a tough crime to prove and get convictions. Well, we had four in that first run through. And guess what? Four more members of the Oath Keepers were convicted Monday of seditious conspiracy for the January 6th Capitol attack. In the second major trial, a far-right extremist accused of plotting to forcibly keep Trump in power. Now, the verdict against Joseph Hackett of Sarasota, Florida, Roberto Menuda of Prosper, Texas, David Morshell of Punta Gorda, Florida, and Edward Vallejo of Phoenix comes weeks after a different jury convicted the group's leader, Stuart Rhodes, Elmer Stuart Rhodes, in the mob's attack that halted the certification of Joe Biden's electoral 
certification. Now, this is, frankly, a big victory for the Justice Department, which is also trying to secure sedition convictions against leaders of the Proud Boys and four associates. So they've got eight Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy, and they've got four more with the Proud Boys that is currently going on right now. And that leads us to the next story. (laughs) Um, The next story is about the trial of several members of the Proud Boys. And again, they're being tried on seditious conspiracy charges. And the trial yesterday turned into what one reporter described as cringy spectacle on Monday. Cringy. I love this story. According to Politico's Kyle Cheney, the cringy testimony occurred when attorney Carmen Hernandez, who's representing the Proud Boy, Zach Rell, asked a witness about the group's no-winks policy that is outlined in the group's handbook that places strict conditions on the act of masturbation. This is in their manual. (laughs) I got to tell you, these Proud Boys, taking a look at them, if you tell them they can't masturbate, that's going to take out most of their social life. So that's troubling. <laughs> this is what it says in the handbook. A Proud Boy may not ejaculate, ejaculate along more often than once every 30 days, the manual states. That means he must abstain from pornography during that time. And if he needs to ejaculate, it must be within one yard of a woman with her consent. The woman may not be a prostitute. The rule goes on to state that the Proud Boys are not even allowed to have Zoom calls with their wives as a way around the one yard rule. Really, dudes? You guys are fake army men, and you're trying to play this rule. I, you know, and I guess this rule comes... You you remember he- hearing people talk about not having sex with your wife or your girlfriend prior to a prize fight or a football game or something like that? I got to tell you, when I look at these proud boys, I'm not seeing world-class athletes there. Definitely not world-class athletes. But they were serious about this shit and might explain why they're so fucking angry all the time. The Proud Boys can't wink. (laughs) But once a month. Just once a month. That would piss anybody off of uh, a normal young or middle-aged man. So I guess guess it's kind of like when you're raising fighting dogs and you don't feed them to make sure they're extra mean. Apparently, that's what they're doing to the Proud Boys. And the funny fucking thing is, these guys sign on for this. They're so brainwashed. They're so stupid that when somebody writes this book, we're going to give you cool uniforms. We might give you some stun guns, maybe a real gun, uh, but but, but you can't masturbate but once a month. That sounds like some cult shit. The decision to question witnesses about masturbation wasn't only questioned by legal reporters, but also by attorney Norm Pattis, who is representing Proud Boys Joe Biggs. (laughs) Did we really talk about masturbation in Proud Boys trial today, he asked on Twitter. Wow. Okay, there was a story that we kept hearing about 
Kevin McCarthy doesn't have any way to really pass any bills, so he needs to give the appearance that he's doing something. And one of the things he promised and was fundraising on was, I'm going to fire Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, and Ilhan Omar, the Democrats. They call them the McCarthy Three, I guess. Um, and what he thinks he's going to do is kick them off their their uh, respective committees. Now, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, is, they're on select committees, meaning they were selected to be on the committee. So, for all intents and purposes, Kevin McCarthy can kick them off, and probably will. Ilhan Omar is a different situation. In order for her to be kicked off, it'll be the same thing that happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar. It will have to go to the full House to vote on whether or not to kick them off. So the chances are that Ilhan Omar won't get kicked off. Swalwell and Adam Schiff will. Well, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries sent out a letter to the House uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy over the weekend asking that Democratic California Reps Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell be reappointed to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And then he went through all the details explaining why Marjorie Taylor Greene was kicked off, why Paul Gosar was kicked off, making the comparison of you want to kick these people off who had been on it a long been on their respective committees a long time, but still you appoint George Santos, this fraud, this potential criminal to committees. And the thing about it is, is, is Hakeem, as he always does, made some good points. And he put it out there for one reason, is to embarrass Kevin McCarthy and put some pressure on him. <clears throat> the pressure to uh, take these McCarthy three off their committees is coming from the MAGA fucks, no question. And he owes his life to the MAGA fucks because because of this motion to vacate thing. If he does something wrong and they don't like it, all they have to do is say, we want a vote of no confidence. And he could be out the door in a couple of days. So he's pushing really hard to try to get these three kicked off their committees. The two he may have luck with, even after being embarrassed by Hakeem Jeffries. Ilhan Omar, he's going to have more of a problem with it. But one thing I heard that was kind of interesting about this motion to vacate, the MAGA people thought to themselves, well, we want the opportunity to kick Kevin McCarthy out of the speaker's job or at least put enough pressure to get him do what we want him to do. But what they hadn't counted on was it wasn't just the MAGA people that could ask for a motion to vacate and a vote of no confidence. Anybody in the House could do it. And there's talk now that there is a Democratic representative, I don't know the name off the top of my head, it isn't somebody you would know, is talking about making a motion to vacate. Well, that would be fucked up. Can you imagine what happens if a Democrat does it? They run it through the House, all the Democrats vote against him, they get five or six Republicans to vote against him, then Kevin McCarthy is fucking gone before he even started. 
then they have to go through the process of electing another one. And we know how much trouble they had electing another one. And then again, if the Democrats are going to go to that point, it's conceivable they might do exactly what we thought they might do during the first election series. Pick somebody who's more palatable, uh, vote their 213 votes and get uh, maybe six others from the Republican Party and put somebody else in there, basically neutering the MAGA party because now they don't have any leverage over anybody. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think the dumbest thing that uh, Kevin McCarthy could do is to kick Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and even Ilhan Omar off their committees. That's going to piss some people off, especially after he just appointed George Santos, who has no business on a committee, let alone being in the House of Representatives. This is going to make some Republicans, some normal-minded Republicans, nervous. And it's going to show just how weak and inept Kevin McCarthy is. And some of these people might say, yeah, we need somebody stronger there. The MAGA party wants to leverage this motherfucker, and we don't even like the MAGA party. So something may change there. It could be very, very interesting. Now, George Santos isn't long for the House of Representatives. He's got too much shit going on. Every Republican in his home state wants him to quit. Most of his constituents are, are, are believing he's a fraud and a fake and a phony, and they want him out. There's four investigations going on on George Santos. He's going to be gone sometime soon. As I've said, he poses two problems for the Republican Party. First of all, he's an embarrassment. Second of all, he's taken away all the news coverage. He's controlling the narrative with his fucked up stupid shit. So either way, the Republicans go with George Santos, they're fucked. They need to get rid of him, and ultimately, they will get rid of him. <laughs> As I've told you, Kevin McCarthy is the weakest speaker of the House ever. He won't be there long. And then it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Between MAGA and the conservatives and the moderates, they won't be able to agree on anybody. Kevin McCarthy, they had to jerry-rig the system just to get him in. And they had to count on George Santos. Well, if George Santos goes by the wayside, then they're going to have a hell of a time coming up with a Speaker of the House. So then maybe that's when the Democrats and a few Republicans step in and say, enough fucking around. Let's just get to business and let's get somebody who's normal as Speaker of the House. All right. We are going to take a break and we will be right back. Hi, friends. I'm Trisden, and I host a podcast called Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. Our politics lean left, but since we live in Kentucky, we're forced on a daily basis to deal with our right-wing friends. So our goal is to bring people together and stay sane as Democrats in Central Kentucky. If you love the rational boomer, you'll probably like us as well. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. That's Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. Trisden is spelled T-R-I-Z-D-O-N. That may make it easier to find. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm sure you remember the Mueller report and how Donald Trump always refers to it as the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. I was totally exonerated. Even though we know that within the Mueller report, there were 10 instances of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. And of course, all the Trump will say, well, he was never indicted for it, so he's totally exonerated. 
Well, we know that Mueller said the reason he wasn't indicted for those crimes was because he was a sitting president. And there's some memo that says you can indict sitting presidents. Didn't mean he was exonerated. In fact, Mueller was even asked, when he's no longer president, could he be indicted for these things? And Mueller said, yes, of course. But Donald Trump does what he does, and he says, oh, I was exonerated, nothing there, nothing to be seen. And then William Barr, the attorney general, misleads everybody in this country and says, yeah, there was really nothing illegal there. And you have to wonder if there was some collusion between Donald Trump, the executive office, and the attorney general and the DOJ. Was Donald Trump controlling the situation? And that's why he got that favorable treatment from the attorney general. Now, the attorney general is supposed to be the attorney for the country, not for the president. But under Donald Trump and William Barr, it was a different circumstance. He was basically, um, Barr was basically Donald Trump's fixer, which is highly unethical, probably illegal. But they tried to slip it under the, under the rug and say, oh, nothing happened here. Well, there's a news story that came out that will make us look at this a little different and um, answer some questions for those of us that thought it was a little, little sketchy, the whole th- situation of claiming that he's exonerated. A former FBI official was charged on Monday with working, working for sanctioned Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska as U.S. prosecutors ramp up efforts to enforce sanctions on Russia officials and police their alleged enablers. A gentleman by the name of Charles McGonigal, who led the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York before retiring in 2018, while Donald Trump was president, pleaded not guilty to four criminal counts, including sanctions violations and money laundering at a hearing in Manhattan Federal Court. Now, he was released on a half a million dollars bond following his arrest over the weekend. Prosecutors said McGonigal, who's 54, in 2021 received concealed payments from Deripaska, who was sanctioned in 2018 in exchange for investigating a rival oligarch. McGonigal was also charged with unsuccessfully pushing in 2019 to lift sanctions against Deripaska. Now, who would he have to go to to lift those sanctions? Well, Donald Trump. Sanctions must be enforced equally against all U.S. citizens in order to be successful, FBI Assistant Director in Charge Michael Driscoll said in a statement. There are no exceptions for anyone, including a former FBI official. Now, separately on Monday, federal prosecutors in Washington said McGonigal received $225,000 in cash from a former member of Albania's intelligence service who had been a source in investigation into foreign political lobbying that McGonigal was supervising. McGonigal faces nine counts in that case, including making false statements to conceal from the FBI the nature of his relationship with the person. Now, you remember Donald Trump fired people from the FBI. 
But he didn't fire this guy because this guy was working to help him. Regardless of what Donald Trump says, the Russians have infiltrated the Republican Party and, of course, Donald Trump. Everything they do has to do with money laundering. And it appears we have people within the FBI that were cooperating with the Russians. We know that uh, William Barr and some people in the DOJ were cooperating with Donald Trump. We know that Donald Trump believed Vladimir Putin before he believed our intelligence agencies. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Donald Trump and our government are filthy with Russian invaders. And they just get away with it because they line people's pockets with money. And our government and our former president have allowed these people to taint our government. Donald Trump said that he was exonerated from the Mueller report. He was not exonerated. And we keep finding more and more dirty shit with the FBI and the DOJ. Now, I'm sure a lot of people out there think that at the moment Joe Biden took office and he took control of the DOJ and put Merrick Garland in charge, that everything was cleaned up and everything was okay. In actuality, that's not true. There are still people that are working in the FBI, probably in low-level positions, that uh, were there under Donald Trump, maybe sympathizers of Donald Trump, maybe supporters of Donald Trump. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. The director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, was appointed by Donald Trump. We have a lot of issues in our Supreme Court. We have a lot of issues in... In our Congress, we have a lot of issues in the DOJ. Once we get beyond the point where we're indicting the people that committed crimes like Donald Trump, the people around him, the sitting members of Congress, and the trump that did his bidding in fake elector schemes and that sort of thing, we really got to address what's going on in our government. It is a fucking mess. Top secret documents, anybody can get them. The Russians can sneak their way in and pay some people off, and these people will become traitors. Sitting members of Congress will help to uh, uh, help people to try to commit a coup against our country. And we've got a Supreme Court justice who is leaking information, trying to get his way by doing that. And we have another Supreme Court justice who's sleeping with an insurrectionist. Our government is filthy with unethical criminal people. And over, over and above what we have to do with those people that were caught committing crimes and being indicted, we got to do something to straighten out this government. Because these people just don't go away when the pre- new president comes in. They still hang back. They're still doing the negative things to this country. And until we get them completely flushed out, we still have fucking problems in this country. I don't know how you do it. I don't know why it hasn't been done as yet. But these dirt balls are still within our government. They need to be exposed and extricated. 
and I don't know why it hasn't been done as yet. I mean, let's be honest, our, our postmaster general, that criminal that was appointed by Donald Trump, that's doing everything he can to destroy the Postal Service, he's fucking still there. We were told that as soon as they got a new committee, then they'd be able to fire him. But they haven't done it yet. Why not? Our Postal Service is one of the few things in government that you could count on that worked. It may be slow at times, but it worked. And now we got this fucking clown who for the last two or three years has been trying to destroy it and has been pretty successful at it. Have you ever sent snail mail lately? It takes like three times as long as it used to. And that you can thank toward our, our current postal postmaster. Well, I said there might be some interesting shit happening today, and there is going to be some interesting shit happening today. We all know it started with a phone call. Donald Trump had this crazy conversation on January 2nd, 2021, with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, went viral. Atlanta area District Attorney Fonnie Willis launched a far-reaching criminal investigation into interference in the 2020 election that now stands at a crucial inflection point. And there was interference. How do we know this? Well, there's a fucking audio tape of Donald Trump saying, just find me 11,780 votes. We know that Fonnie Willis took it to a special grand jury. Now, this grand jury can't put out indictments, but they did the investigation. The next step is to take it to a regular grand jury where the indictments could come out of that. And that's starting today. I don't know to what extent and how long it's going to take, but it's not going to take too long. And here's what we know. There's a big hearing today. A Fulton County, Georgia judge is set to consider whether the findings of a special grand jury's months-long investigation, including any recommendations related to the possible prosecution of a former president and his allies, should be made public. So they're going to be looking at indictments in Georgia with Fonnie Willis starting today. Imminent threat to Trump, analysts have characterized the inquiry as perhaps the most serious legal threat facing the former president currently. Now, top Trump aides are also in the crosshairs. Rudy Giuliani, we know he's a target. Um, He headlined a list of former aides and allies for the former president that were asked to testify before the panel. Interestingly enough, in this hearing, Trump lawyers won't take part. Trump lawyers won't appear at a Georgia hearing where judges will consider the release of the report. Over and above the indictments, they're thinking about releasing the entire report, all the evidence that was collected and investigated in the special grand jury. That could be very interesting because there's more to this than we know. We know Lindsey Graham... We know Steve Bannon. We know Mark Meadows. We know that uh, Rudy Giuliani were all involved to a certain extent. If they decide to release that report, that's going to cause problems for Donald Trump, certainly, but all those other motherfuckers around him. 
they could all have some serious problems. And the last thing anybody would want to do is have this exposed to the public so we all know, kind of like his taxes, kind of like the J6 committee evidence. Georgia special grand jury ended its probe. They wrapped up the investigation of Trump and his allies. While the inquiry inquiry started with Trump's call to Raffensperger, in which the former president again said, I need 11,780 votes to tilt the 2020 statewide election in his favor, the inquiry has since expanded to include a wide-ranging examination of election fraud. Specifically, Willis said authorities have been investigating possible election fraud, conspiracy, oath of office violations, racketeering, RICO, and election-related violence. We know about the phone call, but there was more to it. And we may be finding out what that shit is. And even if we don't find out what that shit is and the report isn't released, we are probably going to see some indictments. In addition to Giuliani, prosecutors have designated nearly two dozen others, including a group of Republican electors who falsely certified that Trump had won the election as potential targets. Like I said, we're not going to see one indictment for Donald Trump or one indictment for Rudy Giuliani. We may see dozens of indictments coming out of this. It is going to be a shit show. And I got to tell you, If we see an indictment to Donald Trump and some of those people close to him out of Georgia, then shit's going to start happening with the DOJ. They're not going to be like like being one-upped by the state of Georgia. And they won't any longer be the first ones to indict anybody, so it'll be a lot easier to start handing out the indictments. Like I said, it's going to be indictment season. Now, what we know is charging decisions on Trump now loom large in Georgia after the grand jury completes its work, which starts today. The list of grand jury witnesses included current and former public officials, many who have been part of Trump's inner circle. We know that Lindsey Graham was summoned for questioning about his contacts with Georgia election officials. We know he made two calls. Former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, a vocal proponent of false claims of election, that goofball, he may be on the chopping block. Trump lawyer John Eastman, who helped develop Trump's strategy to overturn Biden's presidential election victory. He was the architect of this whole thing. And he may be in a problem situation as well. Other prominent witnesses have included Raffensperger, uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, both of whom resisted Trump's pressure campaigns to overturn Biden's statewide victory. Thank God for Brian Kemp, the governor, and Raffensperger, the secretary of state, saying, you know, Donnie, this sounds like bullshit. We're not doing it. And of course, Donnie got mad at both of them because he didn't, they didn't bend his way. The January 6th no-shows, January 6th committee never got McCarthy to talk, key Trump aides to testify, and here's who they are. Uh, McCarthy may be tied into this down in Georgia, too. Um, We don't know the whole story, but again, if the report is released, we will see 
if McCarthy is involved in this shit. And that is certainly not going to help him in holding on to Speaker of the House. The special grand juries, like the one seated in the election inquiry, do not have authority to make charging decisions. Instead, the panel issues a report and recommendations to the district attorney for action. Then they take it to the normal grand jury, which is today. And the question is, will we be able to see this report? It will be interesting if we do. But even if we don't, we're likely to see some indictments. Fulton County Superior Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, who disclosed last week that the jury had completed its work and forwarded its report, also indicated that the panel had voted to recommend that its report be published. The hearing will determine whether there are any objections or other considerations to weigh before taking action. But remember, Donald Trump's lawyer is not going to be there. Not sure why. The hearing could result in the full release of the report and the panel's recommendations. Not only the report, but it'll say whether or not the special grand jury wants to or suggest that there be indictments. Uh, Partial disclosure or a decision to withhold the document pending any decisions on prosecution is possible. Trump's Georgia lawyer said Monday that they will not take part in the session. Why would they? What the fuck are they going to do? To date, we have never been part of this process. Attorneys Drew Feinling and Marissa Goldberg said in a written statement, adding they believe the former president would not be charged. Well, of course they said that. I think part of the reason that they're not going to participate is because when the report is released or if there are indictments, they can claim that they were treated unfairly and they'd have a reason to appeal something or whatever. It's always a fucking delay game with Donald Trump and his lawyers. So it'll be interesting to see how they react depending on what comes out of the grand jury. Now, of course, One of the big stories over the weekend was about the shooting in Monterey Park, California. And and there was a hero in this whole thing. A hero emerged, some victims' names were released, and this close-knit, predominantly Asian-American city was in mourning as the death toll from an elderly man shooting rampage rose to 11 on Monday. First, we thought 10 were dead. Now it's 11. Nine were wounded. And that was the interesting thing. You know, this was an Asian community. And I think we all went to the same thought. It had to be some crazy white Republican fucking doing it. But it wasn't. It was a 72-year-old elderly Asian man. So clearly we're talking about mental health issues. The Los Angeles County Department of Health Services said Monday that one of the four people from the Monterey Park shooting being treated at L.A. County USC Medical Center has died of gunshot wounds. A department news release said another of the wounded patients was in serious condition and the other two were recovering. Authorities said the initial death count from Saturday night's attack at a dance studio was 10 and at least 10 injured. Most of the victims were age 60 or older. Relatives say the gunman who Khan Tran, 72, had once given free lessons at the Star Ballroom Dance Studio where the killings took place 
Hours after Lunar New Year celebration, Tron was found dead Sunday of a self-inflicted gunshot wound inside a white cargo van. Now, this hero was interesting. There's video of it, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. He had already done the shooting, the massacre, and he was coming out, I don't know if it was in a hallway or what it was, and a younger gentleman, he, he was pretty young, good-sized guy, sees this guy coming out with a gun. So this guy, not fearing for himself, grabs this guy and grabs the gun and takes it away from him, scuffles with him a little bit, and then kicks him out of the building because he had no idea of what he had done. So this Tron, Tran, takes off. And this guy stopped him from killing more people. So, in fact, he is a hero. Later, this Tran is found in his van where he had another assault-type pistol. And they found him dead with the pistol. I'm sure he knew that he was just moments away from being arrested. And since he's a gutless fuck, he decided that he would just off himself. It's a problem because there is no justice in terms of uh, a trial and a conviction. But at least this world is rid of that piece of shit. Cowardly, I'll grant you, but we're rid of them. So that's a good thing. Now, you would think for that to happen in California, that would be enough. Wouldn't you think? Nope. (laughs) Yesterday night, seven people were killed in two related shootings Monday at a mushroom farm and trucking firm in coastal communities south of San Francisco, and a suspect was in custody, officials say. San Mateo County Board of Supervisors President Dave Pine says four people were killed at the farm and three at the trucking business on the outskirts of Half Moon Bay, a city about 30 miles south of San Francisco. They don't know how many locations were connected. Uh, California State Senator Josh Becker, who represents the area, said people were killed in separate shootings. San Mateo County Supervisor David Canepa tweeted that one shooting happened at a mushroom farm. The San Mateo County Sheriff's Office tweeted just before 5 p.m. that a suspect was in custody. There is no ongoing threat to the community at this time. We just get done the day before. 11 people killed with a crazed gunman. Nine people wounded. People are just trying to recover from that. And before that is over, further north, we get some other fucking clown. We don't know anything about him as yet, but he shoots and kills seven people and injures many others in Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. I said this in one of the TikToks. When we see these kinds of tragedies happen, you would think that the people who are charged with protecting the people in this country. Because make no mistake, a politician's first job, our government's first job is to protect its citizens. Now, you would think when you have shootings like this that our people that are in charge with protecting us would do something. But you and I both know they aren't going to do jack shit. They haven't done jack shit after every mass shooting we've seen. And therein lies a problem. Something needs to be done, and they refuse to do it. And why do they refuse to do it? 
Well, the Republicans refuse to do it because there's money in it for them. The NRA and other other um, groups that want to keep guns available to anybody and everybody at any time, at any place, to do whatever the fuck they want. And they will pay big money to maintain that to our politicians. And apparently our politicians don't understand their job or the responsibility they've been charged with by protecting the public. They are more concerned with putting the money in their fucking pocket. So two tragedies in a period of two days in California. And I read somewhere that there have been more mass shootings this year than there have been days. More mass shootings than we have days in this year. The fuck? It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. And the Democrats have to do something to get control so something can change here. We're the only country in the world that doesn't, uh, any reasonable country in the world, that doesn't have some restrictions, some way to stop these kinds of shootings. Now, we know uh, banning assault rifles and assault weapons does work because when Bill Clinton was in office, there was a ban on those weapons. And mass shootings went down dramatically. Well, of course, when the Republicans got control of that again, they took off those restrictions. And now we've got anybody walking in anywhere shooting any number of fucking people. If you want somebody to blame, it's very clear that the Republican Party is to blame for this. They think they have something going with the Second Amendment in the... um, Uh, in the Constitution, where everybody can have guns and do whatever they want. But in the Second Amendment, it very specifically states a well-regulated militia, a guarantee of the 72-year-old guy that shot, uh, uh, shot 20 people and killed 11 of them wasn't part of a regulated militia. These people just take this Second Amendment, decide what they want it to mean, And then they keep pushing that narrative. And for whatever reason, they fucking get away with it. Come on. Come fuck on. Um, Let's talk about our favorite dumb fuck. That's right. Dirty diaper Donnie Trump. Now, Donnie doesn't have any real serious business to do. He'd like to be doing rallies, but apparently not enough people are showing up and he can't find a place to have them because he doesn't pay anybody for these fucking venues. So he showed up at a funeral. And it was a funeral um, for Lynette Diamond Hardaway in North Carolina. You maybe remember these women. They're two uh, women of color. Diamond and Silk, and they were rabid Trump fans. You know, these people were basically influencers or YouTube type people or whatever. And I have a feeling, I mean, they didn't seem to be stupid people, but I think they saw an angle. Well, you know, if we support Donald Trump, we'll get all kinds of attention. And they did. And of course, Donald Trump gave them attention. 
Now, Diamond Hardaway, she comprised half of the conservative commentary duo Diamond and Silk. She died earlier this month from unknown causes. She and her sister Rochelle Silk Richardson were among Trump's most vocal supporters, having visited him at the White House and rallied on his behalf before he announced Hardaway's passing on Truth Social. Now, Trump presided over Hardaway's memorial service, which Richardson used to push unsubstantiated claims about coronavirus vaccines. Yeah, they were trying to say, this is from vaccines. Richardson and Hardaway were outspoken anti-vaxxers, and they were cut from the Fox Nation years ago for spreading conspiracy theories about COVID-19. Yeah, they were on Fox News. They loved having these people on this show. As Richardson spoke, she described how Trump treated her and Hardaway just like the other children, Eric, Don Jr., Tiffany, etc. When Trump spoke later, however, he weirdly told the mourners that Richardson never made an impression on him until that day. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who she was. This is, this is what he said at a fucking funeral. The world has lost one of its brightest stars, Trump said. But I see that we have another star who was equal to, but she stepped up and she is different. I'm serious. I thought I knew them both. I didn't. I knew Diamond, but I didn't know Silk at all. I just learned about Silk. You're fantastic. You're going to carry on beyond beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. This woman invited him to her fucking sister's funeral. And they were supposed to be tight with Donald Trump. Hell, they both went to the White House. But Donald Trump says, yeah, I know the dead girl. But this silk, I guess I didn't know her. She's cool. <laughs> now, after this belittlement for Hardaway's partner in crime, Trump went on to once again claim without evidence that the 2020 election was stolen from him. This was accompanied by Trump breaking from Hardaway honorifics in order to rail about state of the country on a variety of fronts. Here he is giving a eulogy at two of, for one of his greatest supporters. He says, yeah, she was a nice girl. By the way, they stole the election from me. He turned this into a fucking rally. Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, how do we stop the cheating? How do we stop it where you get more votes, but you still don't win? Trump whined and whined and whined. The answer is the Republicans have to get tougher. The top people have to get tough. And you really have to really swamp them. On top of that, Trump seemed to complain that the funeral turned out to be longer than he thought it would be. <laughs> you invite a guy to give a eulogy. He says, yeah, she was a nice girl. We're sad to see her go. Didn't know her sister, but she seems cool. By the way, <laughs> stop the steal. Election fraud. This funeral's taken too fucking long. What a fucking genius. And frankly, that is the extent of what Donald Trump did. I think he was told that... Uh, um, this this ceremony or this service would be about 20, 30 minutes long. It ended up being three hours long. I'm sure they had a lot of people talking to them. And I'm sure the fact that Donald Trump had to sit there without talking for a period of time longer than he expected had to piss his ass off. 
And frankly, I'm cool with it. This motherfucker, this is going to be one of his biggest exposures because nobody wants to see the motherfucker. He is a loser. Everything he's done after 2016 has been a loss. Every campaign, every endorsee, everything he's done, he's lost. He is a loser. I mean, even the Republicans are saying he's a loser. This may be his biggest gig, going to some influencer's fucking funeral. And then not even knowing how to do the job without making it all about him. (laughs) Fucking Donald Trump is just laughable. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. We'll see what happens down in Georgia, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.